This is CliffCentral.com. Good evening and welcome to the Country Duty Show on CliffCentral.com. Thank you very much for joining us tonight. Uh, my name is Katla Ho and I'm going to be flying solo again today because Dumi had to go somewhere else where is not here. <laughs> so please do join us on our conversations today that we're going to be having. Um, we're going to be talking on the Khoisan land, um, land, uh, something that they're going to be having very soon, which is going to be happening, I think, from the 22nd of April to the 27th of April next week. Um, we're going to have Dr. Martin, Leonard Martin in studio with us. Um, so please just give us a call on 0861-555-189 with your questions. Uh, our WhatsApp number is 079-748-2090. Or you can catch us on at CountryDutyZA at handful underscore K. Use the hashtag CountryDuty as per usual. So today, um, a couple of very important things that happened or that caught my attention, for example, uh, uh, with the KPMG and the loss of the HE audits, as well as Nonki and being out of business as well. Um, with the VBS thing, I know when it first came out, I came out and I was very much unhappy with the fact that the VBS people are the only one who are catching flack with the contracts that they had done with the municipality and now it's come out that the partners who gave out the loans to to VBS to or who had taken out loans with VBS and had not um disclosed it with KPMG have also now caused irregularities with the reportings and, and work they had done on KPMG so my question still urba and the silence the IRBA um the only thing that has come out or that I have heard so far is that they have taken on or they've, they've taken disciplinary he- hearings against two of the former employees at, at, uh, what, at the KPMG. In, but I actually think that it should be the entire KPMG structure because after everything that has come out, all the people that are working there, the partners that are working there, if so much corruption and so much, um, shoddy work can be done under their rule and under their government, then Really, can we still trust KPMG? Why is it that they have not been reprimanded or called to order or they themselves been taken in as a disciplinary, for disciplinary hearing? Just because the partners resigned doesn't mean that they can get off scot-free. Last I checked, that's not how the governance of ethics worked anyway. But what do I know? Um, we'll still keep in touch with that. We will keep um, tabs on that. We will keep following up and give you um, updates on what's happening on that. Um, another thing that caught my attention today as well was the, that Ndate Zolaskiwa was put to rest today and his, and the funeral was, um, attended by a couple of dignitaries. Um, unfortunately I missed it and I couldn't, I don't, I don't think it was broadcast. Um, so we, we didn't see anything, just a few tweets that came out of here. So just once again, condolences to his family. Um, and another thing, oh, this one. So there's an actor that passed away last week, Friday. Last week, Thursday, his body was found on Friday. And the conditions that he was, uh, or that he passed away under was because he was working. He was at work. And this is something that I actually never really thought of because I thought that in the industry that they are working in as actors, one of the safety, one of the major things that would be there would be a safety, uh, high standards of safety because like, <laughs> I don't know how else to put this, but as an accountant, this is the best way that I can come up with it. The actors are their biggest assets. So you would like to think that they would 
take out proper safety precautions um, and measures for them on on the sets and wherever they are working. The fact that um, Odwal Shweni had to pass away while he was working and the and and um, the production team really did not. Or, yeah, it seems that the production team had not taken as much uh, precautionary measures that, as they possibly could because they did not uh, have the um, the guides with them and they did not have the permit to be where they were. And when it, they were asked about the permit, they took offense to it. Given it might have been asked in an offensive way, but I mean, it was asked in, in probably as well on the, on the other hand to... Um, to prevent something of, of this nature from happening, and now we have lost a, 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 an actor in our lives or in in our in our um, area of, of acting, and it's it's due, it's something that could have been prevented. So now we are now having to come up with questions, and people ha- or, or prominent actors are coming out to say that this is this is one of the things that they always have to be faced with, and they are tossed or faced with the with the issue that they don't want to be. Seen as the kind of problematic actor Because in this business It's very hard to break in So when you're in there you, You're trying to 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 stay in as hard as possible That you end up doing things That you that put your life at risk Without saying much Or without having much agency to say much Because should you say something You can easily be replaced by the next person Who's trying to break into the industry and it it then ends up being a, a a permanent record on on you against any other producers or directors who might want to be doing other shows that you're that kind of person who just is very hard to work with and difficult to work with and prima donna type of thing when in actual when in all honesty all you were trying to do is just not die basically so um, a lot of the safety regulations are going to have to be looked into um, about about in the in the acting industry because it's not just even the safety issues um, there's also the 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 area of or the concern around the sexual favors or the the advances that have been expected of women if they want to be able to get a certain position or a certain um, Post that they want to be auditioning for, um, there is there is a prominent person uh, member who who was also put up and brought out by or called out by one of the actors who um, the SABC producer Lloyd Mokomunyakani, um, who was accused of sexual misconduct by Tando, and um, her story is up. Who was was put up by Phil Pella. These are the kind of things that even the hashtag Me Too came out to come and try and talk about um, that actors have to go out there and, and deal with every time they try and break it into the industry. Um, it's not enough that they just, it's just their talent that's, that's they, they trying to, to, exp- to um, do. It's this, they're being exploited, being either by their producers or, um, the directors or the agents and then on top of that they still have to go and have um, their bodies and rights violated like this or it's 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 a lot it's a lot and they're underappreciated and they always have such ugly things to say about them so those are a couple of things that stood out for me this week um I wonder how your week was. You can tell me more about that. You can also give me your thoughts on our topic tonight. We're going to be talking on the 
let me get it right this time. <laughs> the with the Dr. Leonard Martin um, from the Khoisan Indigenous First National Age Advocacy on the land debate that they're going to be doing next week. So, WhatsApp number, I'll say it once again for those who missed it, 079-748-2090 and our studio number is 0861-555-189. We'll be back on the flip side of this. Welcome back to the Country Duty Show on Cliff Central. Um, as I said before we left, we you can catch us or join the conversation tonight on our WhatsApp number 079-748-2090 or you can tag us on at Country Duty ZA, um, at handful underscore K, and hashtag Country Duty and I will find your comments and questions on there. Um, today we're still going to, we're going to be talking to Dr. Martin. He is from the Indigenous First Nation Advocacy South Africa, which is, um, one of the Khoisan websites that we're going to be doing. And they're going to be having an NCC 2018, um, during the course of next week for the whole of next week. And that is what he's going to be talking to us today about. Hello, Dr. Martin. Thank you very much. Thank you to the listeners as well. Okay, um, so the there's a whole lot, host of questions that came in, but first I just want to get um, started off with the NCC. What is it, and and when is it? Yes, the NCC 2018 is actually the gathering together of various strands, uh, organizations, and representatives of the Khoisan movement in South Africa. Uh, we have had a whole. Uh, period of uh, introspection and assessment of where the Khoisan movement uh, is heading to in South Africa. And uh, the NCC 2018 will be from the 22nd to the 27th of uh, April. And the objective of the uh, NCC 2018 would actually be to lay a basis through consensus of unity the ending of fragmentation and uh, the intention to act with decisiveness in terms of issues such as language, uh, the issue of land restoration, which of course is a key question for the Khoisan attached to the issue of First Nation status and of course the issue of identity because there is the issue of uh, classified colored people who the majority are uh, descendants of the Khoisan. So, okay, one of the main, the first questions that came up today when we said that we're going to be talking about this, um, topic was, is there a difference between, or what is the difference rather between the Khoi and the San, or is it just one big group of people? You know, the best way to describe it, uh, is to actually compare it uh, with the language groups that we found in Africa. In Africa, we had about five major language groups. Let us not forget that there were over 1,500 languages, uh, in addition to the fact that there were proto-languages that disappeared. But uh, the Bantu-speaking languages formed a major uh, uh, language group, and uh, you have the Khoisan. Uh, and further north, you had the Afro-Asiatic or Semitic language groups. Mm -hmm. um, 
so when we talk about the Koi, Koi uh, and San, we are talking about one family in terms of the geographical space okay. that was occupied uh, in Africa mm. by the two groups. Mm. Oh, okay. And um, so, it, it, and the languages that they speak, the, the, I know that one of the things, that those languages that I found on there was um, Kui, the Kui, am I saying it right? Yes. And the um, Khoi, um, and I can't remember a couple of other languages that were there. Um, and research has come up to say that there's only like, Four people who can still speak the original lingo? Well, let me put it this way. Uh, Khoisan, uh, the Khoisan languages, you have sub, uh, groups within the, the Khoi Khoi family, um, was one of, at one point, one of the major civilizational languages in the involvement of humankind. Um, <clears throat> today, of course, Due to a number of historical factors such as colonization, uh, the violence that went along with colonization, uh, the uh, Khoi Khoi people themselves uh, were almost decimated. And with that, uh, the issue of uh, language and land. But uh, Khoi Khoi languages influenced a whole range of languages in Africa, including mm. the Bantu-speaking languages. If I take Tosa, for example, uh, uh, which was the most adjacent yes. uh, to the Khoikhoi languages, mm. uh, all the languages that have a click sound uh, in Africa have been influenced by the Khoikhoi languages. Okay. So, okay, well, we know how the languages died out um, and... and uh, with the, I know that one of the things that you guys also wanted to do was was now to be recognized as the first people, or as a first nation, and with that it comes with the language and your own state, your own government, your own schools. Um, how is that going to work? Well, let me let me let me put it into perspective, or let me put it into context. <clears throat> the South African state uh, that emerged, in my view. Mm-hmm. After 1652, was a state that emerged on the basis of genocide or near genocide, uh, the hunting down of uh, my ancestors uh, throughout uh, what is known as Southern Africa. Uh, secondly, the enslavement uh, and indentured labor from the East, but also the enslavement of other um, peoples from different parts of Africa. So, uh, it's very important to understand that the emergence of South Africa was ushered in by tremendous violence against the Khoikhoi people, the usurpation of land, um, not only on the part of uh, the uh, white European settlers, but we also had migration from the north of uh, what we would say the Bantu-speaking uh, peoples and there are very re- various reasons uh, that accompany both, but in general, uh, this was a colonizing migration into uh, the space of the Khoikhoi peoples. Hence, when we talk about First Nation status, mm-hmm. you have to take into account that the Khoikhoi or the Khoisan, as it's now generally known were confronted with some of the major migratory colonizing movements uh, in African history or in human history 
for example, uh, many people don't know that Madagascar was colonized by the uh, uh, Indonesians, mainly from uh, Borneo, but we also had from the Congo Basin, uh, where which is the actual origin um, point of the Bantu-speaking peoples, they too were migrating and colonizing uh, land. And it's on this basis that you had two different strands of migratory colonization uh, that put tremendous pressure on the, 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 the structures of the Khoi and more importantly, the land of the Khoi. And that's where the First Nation history uh, comes from. So is that not then going to separate you guys from the rest of South Africa? Oh, am I misinterpreting what you're saying? <laughs> Look, <clears throat> we have to deal with the realities. Uh, one of the realities is that, you know, there are facts and facts don't change. That the land mass that uh, is Southern Africa was primarily occupied by the Khoikhoi peoples. And what we are dealing with today are actually the results of uh, colonization. And I think it's very difficult for people to, to, to grapple with this because you have a modern state and uh, the state partly is the owner of the land. But then we cannot do away with the fact that we have had modern white settlement in South Africa. Uh, European settlement took place. But we also had another form of migratory colonization, and that is the uh, colonization of uh, Bantu-speaking peoples over huge land areas mm. of South Africa. So these are the facts, and I think in order to have an effective, truthful dialogue in terms of the status of the Khoisan, you have to take these historical facts into account. That's very interesting. That's very true. Um Okay, so we have a question, another question that just came in here, and it's actually based around the the the, the leaders, the Bill of Law that's that 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 had to come the in traditional with the, the traditional Bill of Law and Khoisan uh, leadership bill. Yes, so I know that's one of the re, um, the biggest things that you guys had against the Constitution was that the fact that you were not consulted in in the write up of the Constitution the same way that the traditional leaders of your other countries and nations were done And so where are you with that process right now? Well, let, let me start with the traditional and uh, Khoisan leadership uh, This process is by no means complete And to that extent you have to uh, accept That there are contestations on the part of the Khoisan In relation to the legitimacy of uh, the bill the primary contestation is that it would actually uh, bring about the final elimination on the part of the, of, of the state and its uh, main stakeholders of the claims to the Khois, uh, of the Khoisan to First Nation status, mm -hmm. but also the claims of the Khoisan to land in South Africa. Now, uh, the bill has not been finally passed. Uh, there are, there has been hearings on the part of the Human Rights Commission, and these, uh, the, the Commission has actually made recommendations which still have to be uh, dealt with, but, uh, the primary resistance on the part of the Khoisan is that they reject that bill. Um, on, can I ask on what basis they are? Well, on, on the basis that 
you 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 actually have a what I can call a uh, mirage, okay. uh, the uh, you know false presentation that the Khoisan are effectively going to be acknowledged, but to be acknowledged to without land and to have structures uh, of chieftaincies that have absolutely no uh, authority in terms of the land mass of South Africa. Okay, so that's what you say. And now there's the, the question that has coming or that's coming out about the illegitimate leaders who are trying to now um, exploit the build for their own benefit. Look, in every major uh, historical uh, uh, movement, you will have uh, differences of opinion. Okay. As I already underlined, the primary opinion among the Khoisan is that this is a legalistic, a legalistic mirage. You cannot lay claim to First Nation status and uh, acknowledgement, uh, yet you will not have access uh, to land restoration. It's a contradiction in terms. True. It's a contradiction. So uh, this is what the, uh, the Khoisan are contesting, that this traditional uh, Khoisan leadership bill, in effect, uh, will be robbing the Khoisan, perhaps at one of the most critical moments in the history of South Africa, of access to land restoration, but more importantly, effective acknowledgement of uh, the status of the Khoisan as the first nation of South Africa. All right. I follow. I understand. Um, okay. So we have a tweet that just came in from Tafari Z. She, she, she says that she's a defender of African history and she contradicts what you're saying. So she says the fact of the matter is that the Khoisan are not homogenous group and the Khoi Khoi migrated to Southern Africa like the other tribes. Whoever put the idea that they might have right to land more right to land than other indigenous African tribes. It's the San who deserve the indigenous status. But you just said that the Khoi and the San is one family. Yeah. I think the, 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 the questioner uh, actually uh, has her facts wrong. Perhaps it's the terminology. African people are the most diverse people on earth. Yes. So when she talks about homogenous there is no African group that is homogenous. <laughs> not on the African continent. African people are as diverse as diverse uh, can be given any meaningful sense. Yes. You know. So when you talk about the Khoisan uh, uh, not being diverse, uh, not being homogenous, homogenous. of course, uh, scientifically, the Khoisan cannot be uh, homogenous. <laughs> uh, let me just perhaps educate her. The Khoisan and the rest of us, because I'm, I'm here. The oldest living human beings mm. on this earth, the oldest human group on the African continent, and the most diverse of the African populations. So, when we talk about homogenous, uh, it loses meaning. When you talk about Africa, uh, because of the nature of how human beings originated on this continent, yes. uh, Africans are still the most diverse, both outwardly and inwardly, uh, people on this earth. Mm -hmm.
I hope I've answered her question. I hope she has her answer too. Um, so another thing that I wanted to ask about, and it's a question that um, I was educated on by a friend of mine who vehemently hates being called by this term. It's the fact that um, there's this, this term that is being called or that is being used, which is colored. Yes. Um, and I recently learned that to call a, a, a person colored or or koyasan colored is 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 an insult similar to one being a black person being called kafir. Um, how did we even come about to that? And yes. and and why is there a difference between colored people and koyasan people, or is it just that? People lost their way somewhere. Yes, this is one of the most central questions uh, in South Africa today. It is not just a question that affects uh, uh, people classified coloured. It deals with the history of denialism, which still forms a very uh, critical part of uh, our perception uh, of ourselves as a nation, uh, of South Africa uh, in particular. Uh, but we have to go back to uh, the violence of colonialism. Wherever European settlers overwhelmed the indigenous peoples, whether it was in uh, the Pacific or whether it was in uh, the taking of uh, and making of uh, slaves to the United States, um, the conquest of the Aborigines, um, you have this terminology from the Caribbean to South Africa, from the United States to South Africa, of uh, the label colored. Now, the label colored uh, was invented to actually serve as a tool uh, to divest the indigenous peoples of their right to land or their claims to uh, the product of the land once the uh, European colonialists had taken over. It was to divest them of the right to self-identity. But more significantly, and this is how it affects our country, uh, I am of the opinion that some of the wealthiest European groups in South Africa, descendants of European groups, could not have acquired land without being tainted with genocide. And it was to create a separation on this f uh, false idea of races that they labeled uh, the conquered people colored and labeled their descendants colored to create that separation that they call race, purity in culture, but also to, to divest uh, the indigenous uh, Khoisan of access to land and natural resources. So it's, it's a tool that was created by colonialism to humiliate and to oppress and still serves that purpose today. So what would be the correct identification? Science tells us that over 70% of the living pe uh, people classified colored in South Africa today, if you know, uh, the breakthroughs made by genetic science, the genome, that uh, over 70% of uh, colored people, classified colored people, are descendants of the Khoisan. Now, as you might know, 
that the Khoi and San were not, if you take the terms black, uh, literally black, they were uh, of a different color, brown, uh, you can call it uh, uh, copper colored, others would say yellow. Uh, so you did not need this notion that uh, white people created uh, uh, colored people. Of course, there were uh, uh, what you would call informal liaisons, violent informal liaisons between uh, African women and uh, the colonialists, the European colonialists, that contributed to uh, the classified people colored. But in reality, you know, uh, the Khoisan were a light-colored people and uh, is given rise to a lot of distortions that all colored people uh, have a connection with white people. As we, 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 we have to admit, this question has never been um, openly uh, discussed in South Africa. Uh, the classified colored people have been robbed of a knowledge of self. Uh, they've been robbed of the knowledge that as a group they uh, represent uh, different strands of ethnicity in one with the Khoisan as the base. So this is part of the hidden history, uh, the denialist history of South Africa in terms of the descendants of the Khoi and other enslaved peoples who were brought uh, to this uh, country and uh, enslaved by European uh, colonialists. Yeah, that being said, actually, um, we also have another tweet or comment that comes in from Khunze Bai, who says, white people think having exploited, expropriated English is not my mother. White people think having expropriated land without compensation from the Khoisan, as they claim, makes it right. They always have considered them inferior. And now that it has to be reversed, the land claim that is, they act as though they are on their side. Because that's the biggest question when it comes to the land reform. Uh, white people will always jump very quickly to, yeah, but the original owners of land or the original... Um, yeah, landowners would be the Khoisan, and then they want to know who the Khoisan are, as if the Khoisan don't exist anymore. Yeah, look, it's 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 some of the insults that are are becoming current in South Africa in relation to the Khoisan. The Khoisan um, uh, First Nation has no formal alliances with European or white settlers that have settled on the land of their ancestors, uh, it's very important to understand that, that there is no siding of white people with the Khoisan. Let me just quickly uh, clarify this. Mm. When people were labeled and classified colored, it was because white people saw no human identity with classified people called colored. Throughout the world, wherever you have this label, White people did not want any association with people they labeled colored. It's very important to understand that it's one of the most inhuman uh, the uh, of aspects it. of uh, colonial settlement. Yes. So when people now, uh, you know, generally or loosely 
uh, talk about white siding with the uh, with the uh, the Khoisan. I think they don't know their history. Uh, white people committed genocide against, almost eradicated yes. the Khoisan people uh, of uh, Southern Africa. It's very important to understand that. Next, they separated the Khoisan from the empowerment of self-identification. That is why we are still having the discussion in this country, mm. in the 21st mm. century, of acknowledgement of acknowledgement of the the history of the Khoisan uh, and what has happened the tremendous violence uh, that still exists in terms of the legacy of expropriation of land on the part of the Khoisan people sure so dr martin how do you identify i am khoisan but it's very important to understand that you know as the, the previous uh, uh, question I had raised uh, about homogeneous, uh, I am Khoisan with diverse strands uh, that have run through this country. Uh, my ancestors are Khoisan. Those are my primary ancestors. But we cannot deny that uh, the notion that the Khoisan, the modern Khoisan, are a composite people of peoples that were brought here and enslaved uh, and blended with the Khoisan. There's this term called mixed. I, I don't like to use it because it's a reification of something that has no value. You are either human or you are not. Uh, but I identify, I self-identify as Khoisan. And do you, do you have a problem with people who identify as colored? I have absolutely no problem because I think it's very important to understand that the imposition of the label colored had taken place at uh, the, 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 the weakest moment in the history of African people. As I explained earlier, uh, with the conquest of the Khoisan, they were reduced to social death, they had no right over themselves, over their bodies, over their products, and it's on within that context, context of conquest that uh, labeling took place. But we are living in a democracy now, and the restoration of the Khoisan has to be aligned with the possibility of uh, this democracy in terms of land restoration and restoration of uh, uh, identity. You know, uh, the notion of modernity is that white people brought everything. They even brought your name. Uh, and I think it's in this context that we are unpacking, we are assessing, and we are, in fact, reconstituting. It's a tremendous moment on the part of the Khoisan in South Africa. I would even say it's a tremendous moment uh, in the history of uh, liberation in uh, in africa okay thank you very much for that so we're going to be back we're going to take a bit of a musical break um please do send your um, questions to 0797482090 or tag us at at country duty za at handful underscore k and i will pass them on through to dr martin
Good evening. Thank you very much for staying tuned in. We're still with Dr. Martin and we're talking about the history of the Khoisan and we're now about to launch into the future of it. Before I do, um, one of our very much loyal listeners, Zico Smith, wants to know what is the population of this Khoisan, of this Khoisan that has been talked about and why are we so, why were they so easily absorbed? Why were they so easily? Absorbed. Oh. <laughs> Yeah. Look, the, the, the Khoisan were not easily absorbed. We're talking about, effectively, uh, a 200-year resistance struggle mm. uh, before uh, this struggle moved inland in South Africa. Mm. The Khoisan were the first freedom fighters, uh, defenders of the land in uh, South Africa. But we all know, because of the resistance, a... Uh, method of eradication was developed, the commando system, where Khoisan people were hunted down almost every day right into the 1930s in this country. Khoisan people were shot, murdered, and maimed. So when we talk about uh, absorbed we have to look at the tremendous history of resistance against uh, colonization, land usurpation, and white settlement. Yes. Uh, this was no easy road in the making of modern South Africa. Mm. Okay. So I'm just reading up on, on the you, you, There was the question of the population. Yes. Today, if you take the colored people into account, classified colored people, Colored people are the second largest ethnic group in this country, and over 70% of them are actually des- descendants of the Khoisan. I hope that answers the question. It should. It really should. Um, so, okay, I was just on the website on the Indigenous First Nation Advocacy South Africa WordPress.com, um, and one of the things that really um, that I wanted to talk about was um it's it's going to be one of the discussions that you guys are going to have at the NCC 2018 um about how uh the South African constitution with the legal authorization expelled and disqualified the Khoisan um in section 25 subsection 7 when it only offered legitimate land claims after 1913 um while the forces remained soundless as opposed to going back to before 1913. Could you speak a little bit? You see, the the word legitimate Mm. uh, has to be unpacked. When you are not invited to the table to discuss your demise, how legitimate is that? When you are not invited to the table to discuss your entire lineage and history, how legitimate is that? When you are not invited to contribute to the configurement of a constitution that decides the fate of generations to come, how legitimate is that? So we have to, we have to unpack the word legitimate. Is it legitimate in terms of those who have usurped the land? Is it legitimate in terms of their laws? And is exclusion and marginalization from the history of South Africa legitimate? We think not. And it's with this background that we have to discuss the exclusion of the Khoisan uh, 
in terms of the making of the modern uh, South African constitution after 1994. Uh, the Khoisan were excluded. And this is a fact. And when we talk about legitimacy, we cannot talk about it abstractly. The cut of date for land uh, cannot be, uh, you know, 1913. Not for the Khoisan. We have gone, we have to go right back to the point when the resistance wars of the Khoisan to repel European settlement took place. We have to trace land restoration and land usurpation and the severance of the Khoisan from their land to those dates. The important point is if we want to have effective, honest dialogue and reset what is called race relations, we need to uh, overcome denialism and arbitrary date setting. 1913 was not a date set by the Khoisan, by no means. In fact, uh, we need to unravel why 913, 1913 became so important. To whom did it become important? Definitely not to the Khoisan. Okay, so... Um there's a decree that was signed by the five royal houses of the San and the Khoisan people in, uh, well, last year, June, I think it was. What was that about? Was that not for then the amendment or the inclusion of the Khoisan to the constitutional laws or rights or something? No. I mean, this had more to do with uh, the actual setting for preliminary discussions relating to acknowledgement and land restoration. Oh, okay. So the NCC that's coming up next week, it's from the 22nd of April until the 20, 27th of from April. From the 22nd of April to the 27th, and it will be uh, a focus on consultation, laying the basis uh, through policy in terms of the way forward. Uh, the reason why we stress consultation is that this is such a significant moment in the development of the history of the Khoisan that nothing arbitrary uh, will be done without a consultative uh, culture in terms of the way forward. And how do people join the conversations? Well, we, we, we have been having this conversation uh, for years now. Uh, in fact, Two years ago, we had a major unity roundtable in Johannesburg with various representatives of the Khoisan uh, to unpack the, the history of racism in this country, to look at the question of the labeling of the Khoisan. Um, I mean, you might be aware there have been over uh, 70 uh, derogatory names that the Khoisan had actually been uh, including classified colored people had been subjected to. Uh, all these names were meant to uh, marginalize historically uh, in both cultural and social economic terms, but also to actually reduce uh, the descendants of the Khoisan to an infrahuman position, powerless, uh, without the possibility of empowerment. We discussed all these things and we discussed the importance of uh, summits as a consultative vehicle uh, to uh, bring about unity, 
to end the fragmentation that was brought about by uh, colonization and to seek redress, uh, both in terms of available civil rights instruments, international uh, legal instruments, uh, and this is an ongoing process uh, in the uh, restoration uh, and uh, unification of the Khoisan peoples of South Africa. So the the NCC is basically just to set up policy on on um, your inclusion. Yes, look, <clears throat> the issue is that uh, if you are not united, anybody can uh, create outcomes that are not beneficial to you as the oppressed, That's true. to you as the excluded. Mm. So NCC 2018 will be entrenching the consultative mode through policy in terms of how to address the questions of the day in relation to the Khoisan. So it's not just a talk shop. It will be laying, sculpting, configuring the process through which uh, leadership will be given to the various areas, uh, whether it's the legalistic, the cultural, the social economic, uh, and more importantly, the issues uh, to bring about land restoration. The legalistic means, uh, the means through civil uh, uh, rights, all these will be moving towards overcoming fragmentation uh, and speaking with a voice that's unmistakable. One last question before I let you go, sir. Um, beginning of the year, I think it was, our president met with the uh, four representatives of the Khoisan at the union building to say that they are going to meet up with them or become united with them. Was that what you're saying, is that it was all for show? Well, I, I wouldn't want to attribute uh, such low uh, 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 approaches uh, to the president. I would like to believe that the president is sincere because we were dealing with life on the steps uh, under the statue of Nelson Mandela. Yes. This was no accident. Mm. Um, of course, that is not the end. We are probably we are probably going to see uh, such resistance uh, in the future to the extent that sincerity uh, is not a core value in terms of effective dialogue, in terms of the demands and the rights of the Khoisan to land restoration, cultural restoration, but also the restoration of human dignity. These are the key issues for future generations yes. that uh, the children of the Khoisan should walk with their heads held high in the land of their ancestors. Mm. And I think it's a right that is not extreme. It is a right that's upheld in all uh, multilateral institutions uh, upholding the integrity and dignity of human beings. Sure. Thank you so very much, Doctor, for joining us tonight. Unfortunately, that is all we have time for for today. Um, maybe we will have you back again after the NCC so that we can get a bit more insight on what was you discussed are welcome. and the outcomes. And thank you very much to you uh, and uh, Close Central and, of course, to the listeners who have actually sent in questions. Thank you very much. Thank you, sir. 
an hour is never enough. I know I'm going to be getting posts and tweets tomorrow about how we need to have extra 30 minutes. We will talk to Cliff. No promises being made. But thank you very much for tuning in. And next week, I will be back in studio with Dumi Sole. And we are going to be talking on something along the lines of Human Rights Day. Because it's going to be Human Rights Weekend. Thank you. Um, drive safe, those who are driving home. And carry on listening to Country Duty. Hashtag Country Duty. Good night. This is CliffCentral.com.